mindfulness mode. It's a lot of things that you can say to yourself that will evolve your life professionally or personally. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show today. And I want to tell you that as soon as you hear me uh, go into the interview, you'll hear that my voice sounds quite a bit different because back when I interviewed Andre, I had COVID. And uh, so I worked through that and got over it, of course. But um, wow. And when I listened to it, I did the uh, editing and I'm like, oh, geez, I, I found I sounded a little bit rough. So I apologize for that. I hope that doesn't throw you off when you hear the interview. I was down in Reading, Pennsylvania back in 2019, sitting uh, in the the room where the first session was going to take place at Justin Shank's uh, growth, growth movement now, growth now movement summit, and in walked this tall guy who sat down beside me, and it turned out to be the man that I'm interviewing today. And I ended up on the stage, and so did he. And little did I know that he was a speaker at the time. But I'm so excited to have him on the show today. I think you're going to like the episode, the interview. Andre is a great guy. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Mindful Tribe. I'm here today with a professional speaker, author, leadership trainer, and founder of You Evolving Now, LLC. And he's also a great friend of mine. I'm very honored that he's my friend and honored to have him on the show today. And this is the third time that he's been on the show. And every time in the past, it's been so beneficial and I've learned so much and I know you have too, Mindful Tribe. I'm here today with Andre Young. Andre, are you in mindfulness mode today? Uh, absolutely. Every day, I hope. That's my mission. Uh, yeah. But Bruce, thank you so much for having me on. And you said three times. I'm like, wow, it has been like, that's so cool. And uh, you guys listening, happy whatever day it is for you listening. And uh, thank you for letting me steal a little bit of your time today. And you can tell right away that Andre is just dynamite if you had him as your keynote speaker at your company because I have seen him in action and he is so inspiring and uplifting from the stage just as he is right here on the show he is one of the most uplifting men that I know and he's a he just sets such a great example and he's written four books and the the most recent book is set to come out in December and it's called the uh, let me see here. I've got it right in front of me. It's called the... <laughs> I can help you out here. <laughs> I know you can. It's called The Leader's Toolbox. There you go. <laughs> the Leader's Toolbox. And Andre is all about leaders, all about helping you to be a good leader. What makes a good leader, Andre? Wow. Um, well, that's a great question. And I have. Uh, I think I've done a good job of summing it up and, and summing it down. Uh, so one... It's important to know that every single person walking the planet, no matter their title, no matter their age, no matter the what, can be a leader if and when you choose to be. So at the very minimum, you're leading your own life. Yeah. You know, in, in your relationships, your friendships, you, you're leading your own life. Now, from a professional aspect, you may be a leader within an organization. Maybe you're the CEO. Maybe you're in management. Maybe you're a supervisor, whatever it is, or you aspire to be. So no matter which one it is, 
leadership really encapsulates five big things. Can you be of influence? Can you positively influence people towards your vision? That means you have to have a vision for your life. Not only a vision, not everybody knows what they want to do. So there's two different types of people. Let me share. So you, some people have a vision. Those that do, good for you. However, that's a starting point, not an ending point. What's your vision factors? Leaders know the three to five things that when they do these things consistently, the vision has to come true. I don't worry about my vision, Bruce, because I'm too daggone busy doing my vision factors. Right. So can you positively lead yourself every day when you wake up, the words you say to yourself, be mindful, the things that you consume on your phone and in your life and in conversations and friends, can you positively lead yourself and or other people towards the vision? Can you be of impact? When people walk away from you, do they feel lucky to have met you, speak to you? Did they learn something? Are they empowered by something? You know, can you decide? Can you decide every day to walk into your life, your home, your relationship, uh, your place of business with your head up, eyes up, smiling, doing your best and being your best? Leaders don't negative gossip. They positive gossip. It travels slower, but it still travels. Talk good about your life. Talk good about your coworkers. Talk good about your boss. Talk good about change. You know, and then what's your plan moving forward? Uh, two more things. Can you protect? Leaders protect. They protect their people from their bad habits. So you have people on your staff. I have four kids. Sometimes I have to protect them from themselves. So we do that by having boundaries and rules and expectations. Okay. Um, we ought to protect ourselves from us sometimes. You know, I know my vices. I know what, you know, what could trip me up. I got to be mindful about that. Leaders protect their time. Okay. Uh, so this is very important. And then lastly, you have to have some expectations. I tell people all the time, a vision without expectations is just hope. Mm -hmm. And expectations without consequences are just suggestions. So if you have a vision, what are you expecting out of your life? What are you putting in place every day in your calendar? You say you have a dream. Is it in your calendar? Being aware of the consequences. You're leading a team. What's the vision? What's the expectations? If you don't know, how are they supposed to know? And then when that's not followed through, what the heck are you going to do about it? Because what gets expected and allowed in the beginning will be expected throughout the middle and end. Somebody coming in late every every day is no longer their fault. That's your fault. Mm. So, you know, that, though that's what it is, takes to be a leader. So professionally or personally, can you be of influence, impact, protect, decide, and maintain high standards and expectations? Wow, that's really powerful and so succinct. Really succinct. I want to go back to the part you were talking about positive gossip because I really like that message. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think enough people hear that message because there's a lot of gossip around that is not positive. Yes. And if our leaders are not delivering positive gossip, as you put it, yeah. then you're moving in the wrong direction. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And you know, I'll give a quick example because positive gossip it helps not only the organization, your team, your life, your relationships. So for example, I go and talk around the world. I say these great things about my wife, a positive gossip about her, okay? 
Um, and it's a choice. I really do feel that way, but it's a choice. Um, and what it does is, you know, people around you go, oh, that's really cool. And it sends them home to go in, in, and think about talking to about their partner like that and how they want to enhance their relationship and things like that. But what it also does for me is it sends me back home more in love. Mm. Okay. Um, if I'm at work, easy to negative gossip about all of the changes that are going on, your boss, your employees, uh, everything and anything you don't like. However, if I walk around, when I walk around and I go talk to someone else and I'm like, wow, hey, I just had this great conversation with Bruce. Uh, I had no idea he was as cool and knew so much about so much. You get a chance to talk to him. You need to. That's powerful. It just made me feel good about my job and, and you and what's going on. But also I made somebody else aware. And if that ever gets back to you, it's going to put a smile on your face. You smiled when I said it. Yeah. Okay. Everybody yeah. loves hearing that. Now we have to take that a step further. You have to, we have to be willing to do that and positive gossip about our life, our partners, our bosses, our jobs, our employees outside in our real world. When we're at the grocery store, when you're at the restaurant, because people you don't know hear you. And they hear you talking great about a job. Huh, I'm actually looking for a job. What's the name of that place? Or I'm sorry, I overheard you saying something. Uh, you know, can you tell me more about you don't know who's listening? No. And it's amazing what it will do for you, for them, and how you feel returning to where you get to be. Wow, such a positive message. And we we often talk about the inner bully. And this is a way to counter the inner bully. I really appreciate that. And do you have any other suggestions for people that start to feel as though they are, their inner bully is pulling them down? Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll start with uh, venting. Um, because you can do all of the stuff that I talk about positive in the world. However, negative things will still happen. And we are all human. There are times that no matter how positive I'm being, I have hit my bottom and I need someone to vent to. With that said, there's rules to venting. Most people will vent to anyone that comes into their 18 inches of personal space all day long for a lifetime. So all they're talking about is the story. And most people know who to go to to tell it. So they got a bunch of bobbleheads around them telling them how right they are only to send you back more righteously wrong back to your boss, your employees, your husband, your wife, your kids. So my venting has three rules. It needs to be uh, people limited. Who's your people? Who's your tribe that you go to that when you go to them, you're venting and they'll hold your feet to the fire. Hey, have you thought about what your boss, your job, your husband, your wife, your kids, what's their point of view? Why would they do and say the things that they did? I'm not saying they're right, but what are they right about? And what's next? So what are you going to do? I heard your, your misery, but what are you going to do? You know, uh, so it needs to be people limited. It needs to be time limited. You don't get to vent all day. Stop. Leaders don't do that. They vent momentarily. And then lastly, it's purposeful. So they, they vent it. You get it all out. And then it's, what the heck am I going to do about it? One, what did I learn from it? Two, now what am I going to do about it? Regardless of what they are going to do about it. Regardless. What did I learn? What am I going to do? So if this works out, great. I had a part of it. If it doesn't work out, I can sleep in peace knowing I did my part. 
So if you're going to, you know, we're all human, vent, just vent like a leader. And then lastly, know what you need to do for yourself. I love what you talk about mindfulness. And so many people, especially not every or all, anytime you say that you're wrong, but so many women demote themselves to last on the depth chart because of work, because they're a mom, because they're a wife, and they're so busy being busy that they demote themselves. And now this, this frustration or resentment because they're burnt out, stressed out and, and unfulfilled. And now everybody else is to blame. No, no. And men do it to do it in some different ways. Know what you need to do for you and make time and take time to do it. No one wants to hear a professional or personal temper tantrum from you because of something you could have controlled. You need some me time, make it and take it, take care of you, vent properly, know how to lead and you get to live a great life and people enjoy living it with you. Yes. Yes, for sure. Women do it, men do it and companies do it. And that's one of the things we were talking about earlier. And when you go into companies, you help to point that out to them mm -hmm. and to kind of set them on a, on a better path. Why do you think so many companies get pulled into that, that way of doing things? Wow. Um, that's a great question. And I have never been asked that question before. I am so glad you asked it. And it's, you know, it's a couple different parts. Um, one, companies will tend, and not by on purpose. No company started like that on purpose. Um, they start to value busy over better. If we're talking about currently right now, you have so many organizations doing more with less people, doing more with less help and workers and employees and leaders. Um, and I talk about a leader's push. Sometimes we have to bond together and get through crisis. However, that's not the pace that we're supposed to stay at forever. Um, that's crisis and through change and deadlines. Um, but people get addicted to the revenue that that generates. I can make more and have less people working. Uh, so we have to be able to get back to pace. Um, another thing is a lot of organizations and leaders will promote based on skill and skill is no longer the only thing that will matter with great leadership, especially with hybrid and remote work. Connectability, connection ability. I'm making up words here, okay? But this is a real thing. You look on Indeed, they have the skills that are necessary for the job. How many times have you had a boss? And I'm talking to you guys listening. How many times that you had a boss and you only did what they told you to do because they had that title? Maybe they had the skill for the job, maybe they didn't, but they didn't connect with you. We have to up our connection skills so we can be better and possibly busy. You know what I mean? But too many organizations will value busy over better. Let's get better with our connection. Let's get better with our personal leadership. Let's get better with our actual leadership skills. Let's get better with work-life harmony skills. And it's amazing how much more your people will do for you, with you, because of you, and forgive about things that they don't like because they have more connection with you. Um, so the simple answer to that question is we get addicted to being busy because busy pays the bills. Yes. Same thing in our relationships. We can mm -hmm. get, I can get busy and bogged down with doing all of the things that a husband or a wife is supposed to do. Okay, I you know, I cooked dinner, I done carted the kids around, I done did this, I done did this, check, 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 check. Well, if that was the case, why does everybody get divorced? Because your people, your significant other is unfulfilled. 
You checked off all of the boxes of busy, but you didn't talk. You didn't communicate. You didn't speak their language to them. Leadership is about marrying what you want to give and do with what the person receiving your effort needs most right now. And that can change. You might not like what they want or need from you right now, but can you do it a little bit outside your comfort zone plus what you want to do? So we have to get beyond checking boxes. Andre, you're such a great communicator and you do it not only in spoken word, but written word. Have you always enjoyed writing? Because you've got four books now, Evolve, Seven Ways to Love, Seven Ways to Lead, and The Leader's Toolbox. Let's talk about your writing experience. No, the answer is no, heck no. I did not want to write. I, I despised it. I, I rejected it so many times. Um, you know, I remember being in, in college <laughs> and I used to grip my teeth and I was so angry that I had to write 20 page papers. Like, why are you telling me how many pages to write? Just let me write. And then it's not APA style. I refused to learn APA style to write the paper I already didn't want to write. Just dock it. Just dock the points right off the top. I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so when I started my business, uh, I just wanted to make videos. Like, I wanted to make videos, put content out, but I started a website. A friend of mine said, I never forget, you have to write to build up SEOs. I said, no. Uh, but I married my dream, not the path. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I sat down one day. So it was a Sunday morning. And I put a timer on my phone. How long is it going to take me to write this thing I don't want to write? <laughs> <laughs> and it took 25 minutes. Now, now it's a, it's an hour, a little bit more. But first one was 25 minutes. So I said, okay, I can sacrifice that. So I wrote three times a week. Fast forward, I still don't write for SEOs. I still don't write. I refuse. I am oppositional by nature mm. because my writings become books. And I don't want something or, or an organism, a system telling me how to write what's in my head. I don't care if it gets more CEOs. Some people do. If that's your business, have at it. For me, it's not. I don't want it. I don't like being told what to do like that. So <laughs> um, I was writing three times a week. And now it's once a week. And I never knew that I was going to write a book. Mm -hmm. um, I never really know what my next book is going to be. However, when, I, when it comes to me, I already have years of writing. It's simply organizing it and putting it together in a great order and canceling this out or extending more of this. So uh, it's been a really, really cool thing. And I can't imagine not writing now because as much as I speak on stage and get to do trainings, I always write more. And it's, um, it's a great way to get your thoughts out without, uh, when you're recording, you're always focused on time. Yes. When you're on stage, you're focused on time. How much time do I have? When you're writing, it's not about time. It's about content. So right. then when you actually go to record it or be on stage, you have such great content and now you can smush it down and whatever comes out of your mouth is so much more um, efficient, so much more clear, so much more uh, content oriented. So I really found that it's really powerful to write, then record, then speak. And speaking of recording, you have the podcast, You Evolving Now podcast. Yes. <laughs> Do you enjoy doing the podcast? I do. Um, 
I, I was telling a friend of mine, I was going to scrap it. Okay. Cause <laughs> I started the podcast because I'm on all of these different platforms from Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. I'm big LinkedIn. That's, that's my really thing right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started the podcast because I thought that all of these people would be great to come to one house. Why mm-hmm. go here? Why go here when you can come here? Then what I learned is that people like watching you or listening to you where they already get you. Right. So I'm like, huh, do I keep it going? I like it. It's mm-hmm. fun. I enjoy getting to meet great people all around the world. I love being on people's uh, shows and their podcasts all around the world. Uh, it's it's an amazing way to meet people, become friends with people you would have never had, touch different audiences. So I said, I'm going to keep doing it, but I'm not about numbers and uh, the volume and how many people. Of course, I would love 60 trillion people to watch it, you know, to listen <laughs> yeah. to it. Uh, sure. But I do it because it's really fun. And I'll, I'll hear people come up to me every now and then and say, I was listening to your podcast and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'll keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Your, your podcast is terrific. And I've been honored to be a guest on your podcast as yes, well. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate the fact that you're doing that as well as all these other things, but life wasn't always like this before you, you started your own business. I know that you worked for a long time in another business. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was a mental health therapist uh, for 19 years. Uh, spent 15 years primarily in like alternative schools. They call them partial hospitalization settings. Um, and that was great working with kids, adults, and families. Uh, you know, I did uh, outpatient uh, marriage counseling, individual group. Uh, I was in some psychiatric facilities. Um, so it's it was really, really a great ride. I loved doing it. I thought I would retire doing it. Um, however, I have to say, you know, if you're in this profession, great for you. I fell out of love with how the system takes care of the caregiver. Mm. Caregivers in general, whether you're nurses or, uh, you know, in uh, elderly facilities, mental health, uh, social work, we already as caregivers do a poor job of taking care of ourselves. We're givers. Uh, Yeah. So the system would do best by taking care of you as well. And it, you know, overall it was, it was just a real struggle. Um, And when I started to come up with some of my own concepts, well, no, you got to use this concept or as you know, no, I was just on, when I was first starting, I was just on stage doing this, not only doing this, people loved it and used it and they paid me way more than you. (laughs) So it was like, um, you know, after and then to be honest, I burnt out, and I get to talk on stages now and go into organizations, and I help uh, help people lead through or prevent burnout. Sometimes you can't prevent it; it's there. So if it's there already and it's hit a few of your people or leaders, your organization, your team, how do you lead through it? It's, it is possible, you know. Uh, but most people will negative gossip and work them way their their way out, and then can't even ask for a letter of recommendation leaving. That was me. I went from being the world's best employee, says me, to the worst. 
through the organizational change, things I didn't like. And Bruce, guys listening, I was right about every single thing that I said, but I became so wrong about how I said it, who I said it to, and how I disconnected from my team and my passion because of it. So, uh, you know, I loved what it was and I loved working with people. Now I get to work in people in a different way, my way with ideas that I create in the company that I run. Oh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And your website is you evolving now.com. Yes. So mindful tribe, go to the website and check it out and definitely get this book on pre-order the leaders toolbox. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to reading that one. And I've read some of your other books and really appreciated the, the books that you've written. So I know that this new book is going to be outstanding. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you. totally. Yeah. Well, you have four children in a fairly wide age range. What have you learned about from your children about mindfulness? Wow. Well, I have currently, depending on when you're listening to this, because everybody's birthday is in like the end of the year. Okay. Uh, well, most of them. So I have a 22-year-old daughter, a 19-year-old son, a 14-year-old son, and a three-year-old. Yes, you heard that correctly. A three-year-old <laughs> little girl. Uh, and all of them are always my forever babies. Love them to death. Um, what did they teach me about mindfulness? Um, they taught me about patience. Yeah. Uh, they taught me, and if you have multiple kids, you know how different each of them are. And one of the, two of the kids, when you have multiple kids that are the hardest to parent, is the one that is just like you and the one that's least like you. And you have to love, I mean, you don't have to, but you love them. Of course. However, I did my books, you know, Seven Ways to Love, you know, Love is a verb, something that you do. Most people depend on the feeling. And as a, you know, the feeling of it as a parent, you know, hopefully you love your kids. That comes with having kids, you know, for most people. I was a mental health therapist, so I'm going to say for most people, you know? Yes, sure. Um, however, how you do love needs to be more intentional. You know, Gary Chapman wrote The Five Love Languages. It is a life-changing book. And I am an author and I'm telling you to check out another person's book. That's how daggone good this book is. I read the abridged version, 76 pages in an hour. It changed my life. Wow. And, you know, uh, you know, I came up with, you know, the leader seven, the seven professional languages, because one of the love languages is physical touch. And I better not be physically touching and hugging and rubbing on nobody in my company. Okay. My wife wouldn't like that. So there's no. seven professional languages, but I remember sitting my family down and then we went down the road from my wife to my kids and say, these are the five love languages. What's your top two? And I learned them. And you ask every year because it can change a lot. You don't want to be speaking somebody's old language. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it really allowed me at that moment to understand, marry what you want to do. See, I'm, I'm uh, with my kids, I'm words of affirmation and I'm quality time. I love spending quality time and giving words of affirmation to them. I'm big on dream development. However, my daughter told me, tell me you love me and leave me alone. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, oh, okay. My other sons are, you know, my two sons are quality time. Like my daughter, she's three year old. She's playing. She's quality time, you know, things like that. You know, my wife is different. So it really taught me about marrying what you want to do and give with what the other person needs most from you right now. And then being intentional about it, being consistent with it, and then asking them from time to time what they need and being leader enough to hear it. 
because you ask it and then they say it and then you get defensive about already do that. Or how dare you say you need that for me? And I'm, you know, and that was an issue. If you want to be leader enough to ask, you got to be leader enough to consume and you don't have to do it, but you can't complain about the relationship you then have. So do it, do it a little bit outside your comfort zone. So you don't wind up resenting them or the thing. So that's what they really taught me about mindfulness. It's not about me. It's not always about what you want from them, for them and of them, because they're going to be how they're going to be. It's about guiding them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. I know when I sat down with my son, one of the times and, and I, I really wanted to hear from him what he thought about uh, you know, the way I interacted with him and everything. And he said to me, just don't try to be funny, dad. <laughs> and, uh, and one of my philosophies is that we don't laugh enough. I feel like we don't laugh enough as, yeah. as people and that we really need to have more fun and lighten up. And he doesn't exactly see things that way. And, and so it took me a while to grasp that and to just really honor him yes. with that because that was his genuine request that I just you know say I love him that's fine but kind of leave him alone and yep. give him his space and don't try to be funny Bruce I had the same thing I went to my son and I talk about the get great question I see you know and I go hey son hey I love you I want to make sure that we're good, especially as you're getting older. He was about 16, especially as you're getting older. I don't want this all to be about me pushing you towards a dream that may have changed. What do you need most from me right now? His response isn't what I wanted to hear. He said, Dad, I need you to back off. Now, first, I, and I teach this, and first, it's called the leader's pacification. When you go and ask this to most people, what they first tell you is, oh, no, nothing. Everything's good. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't you as a leader know that that's bullcrap. We do not accept that because if you got an argument today, they would say something. So we got to give them permission. No, no, sir. I really do want to know. It doesn't matter what you say. If you need time to think about it, that's fine. But what you, what's, what's up for real? And he said, I need you to back off. And I, I had to think about it because that's not who I am. I'm a step forward type of person. I was a therapist, step forward. I'm a, you know, I'm a motivational teacher. I don't like speaker, motivational teacher. I'm a speaker, yeah. everything step forward. And I needed to step back. So I said, son, okay, I can back off. I am your parent. I do not choose to back off uh, fully. That's not my job. So what do you mean by back off and how do we make this work? And we figured it out. And then he excelled right after that, just excelled. Wow, that's that's great. I know you have always excelled in sports and you loved it in high school and you you moved on to professional sports. What has sports taught you about mindfulness? Sports and business has taught me mindfulness-wise was um, sometimes you're going to be the only person that believes in you. And that has to be okay. That was the biggest thing that I learned from that because you mentioned I always excelled in sports. I never felt like I excelled in sports. Mm. I never felt like I excelled. I felt uh, I only I played one year. I don't like only. I, I played one year of high school. Uh, I didn't do good in school grades wise. I wound up transferring. I couldn't play my eleventh grade year. I actually played semi pro uh, football with adults. I was fifteen years old, sixteen years old, my junior year of high school. Um, that's not, that's not what most people do. 
Okay. No. And I could go back to high school to play my senior year because I didn't get paid. Um, so that, that was a help. I played one year of high school and earned scholarships. Um, so I played division two, I, I switched positions a, a few different times, earned a starting position my senior year. So I never felt like super accomplished, mm -hmm. you know, there, there were some athletes out there that have been touched to say, this is what you were built to do. And I watched a lot of them not, uh, work very hard or not go to the weight room, not do the training, but they were so good mm -hmm. And everybody hits a plateau and gets, you know, so I worked very hard. Um, looking back, I worked very hard at the things that I wanted to get better at or thought my coaches wanted me to get better at. I didn't know the good, get great question back then. I wish I would have went to my coaches. What do you need most for me right now? What do I need to improve? And now I could have worked on both. So I never felt that accomplished. I didn't feel like I was that good. I had friends that were significant, that were better than me. Um, but from a mindfulness perspective, I believed I had passion I was committed. No one ever had to come and drag me out of bed or a practice. I intentionally over summer break uh, was working out at, at noon, hottest part of the day, because I knew that's when we play. Wow. You know, I, you know, I was uh, younger. I'm walking through. I have my football helmet, shoulder pads, fully dressed football, knocking on my friend's door at 7 o'clock. He opens the door in the morning. Hey, you got to come throw this to me. Without a thought, he got dressed, came out, and started throwing it to me at the park. So um, from a mindfulness perspective, it's all about I can. There's no if, there's when, um, and how do we make this work? So that, that, that's the mindset. It's always how do we make this work? It's not if, it's when. And at some point, you may be the only person that believes in you, and that is okay. Mm. That's okay. Let's be consistent with whatever effort you're, you're giving out. And what other sports did you enjoy besides football? Basketball, but I was no good. <laughs> oh, was that right? <laughs> I, yeah. was a, I was a good defensive player. I really wasn't a great offensive player. I had a lot of tenacity. Uh, and, uh, you know, my heart, I have the heart of a linebacker. Uh, so if you know what a linebacker is, I mean, you're talking about 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds. But, I'm, yeah, but I have the body of a safety. I'm six foot, 205 pounds, you know. So... My heart is bigger than my body. Uh, and with my kids now, I teach, I, I raise them to play the position that their body type was going to be. Uh, you know, smart. so now they have a passion for doing things that they're going to be capable of doing at the highest of levels. Mm -hmm. I'm just really impressed with your dedication to helping others. That's your mission every day, isn't it? Every day, my mission. And I lie to you not every day when I wake up before my feet hit the floor, I ask myself, I say one thing and I ask myself a question. So before my feet hit the floor, I say, what are your wins for the day? I know what my wins are, what I believe my wins are that would make my day successful, powerful and meaningful before my feet hit the floor. And then I say, let's be great and have some fun doing it. Let's be great. So let's be great as a husband today and have some fun doing it. Too many people being great and not having fun. Too many people having fun and not being great. Let's have, you know, let's be great in your business today. Let's be great as a father today. Let's be, so let's be great and have some fun today. Have some fun today. Then when my feet hit the floor, go. So that that's my whole impact, uh, you know, and, you know, uh, and it winds up benefiting other people. 
Mindful Tribe, if you've been as inspired as I have by this interview, you'll want to definitely get out and get that book, The Leader's Toolbox. Get it on pre-order. It's coming out in December. And, you know, it's just so great to have this opportunity to talk to you, Andre. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Bruce, for having me. Thank you guys for listening. And I, I hope it was helpful. We talk about mindfulness. It's a lot of things that you can say to yourself that will evolve your life professionally or personally. We spend so much time in our personal and professional realms. Why not be great? Absolutely. And with that, we'll leave it right there. Thanks again, Andre. Have a great rest of your day. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for joining me today. You can tell that my throat's still a little bit off, but I'm feeling a lot better than I was when I recorded the episode with Andre. But thanks for sticking with it till the end. Isn't Andre a great guy to interview? I mean, I'm just so honored to have him on the show, like I said. And I'm honored to have our sponsor, Athletic Greens, as a sponsor for the show. That is really, really awesome. And uh, the product, AG1, is a product that I've been taking now for a few weeks and it's really a great product. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial ingredients and it's just a great way to get your greens. It really is. It's uh, a product that I really trust and so do 7,000, more than 7,000 people that have given it five-star reviews. Uh, people like Tim Ferriss, you might have heard of him. All kinds of people believe in this product. So here's a special offer that I mentioned earlier, but here it is again. Uh, you can get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs by using my link. And this is an affiliate link, so I will benefit if you use this link. It's Athletic Greens dot com slash mindfulness and with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode